it is that time of week again. We are back to talk all things Australian women's football around the world. If you don't know who we are, my name is Josh. I'm joined by my sidekicks and companions, Cody and Michelle. Uh, and each week we gather together to relive the highlights and the lowlights of what has just happened in the last week, whether that be our home teams, the teams we choose to support abroad, or even domestically in some cases with our good friend Cody here. Um, we are your go-to stop for all things Australian women's football this week. Uh, and how are we, folks? Are we feeling good, feeling ready? Michelle has got her voice back, guys. Two weeks running. Let's go. So um, expect a hot take from Michelle this week, I think. Every time she's got a voice, she's got a hot take to go along with it. How are you this week, Michelle? <laughs> good. I am happy that I got a six-point weekend. And both against the Jets. Both against the Jets. Look, it's okay. Can't win everything. It's okay. Um, it did look touch and go then for a second. You literally didn't get the last two points until like the last second. So we'll come to that later. Cody, um, how are you, my friend? A lot better than last week. Um, COVID has kind of cleared out of my system at a low-key weekend. And yeah, just feeling a hell of a lot better. Two out of three with COVID in the last two weeks, folks. Two out of three. Um, Ain't too bad. Let's start off here at home. Obviously, um, back to standard home and away programming after an attempt at Unite Round the week before. Uh, (laughs) Wellington made the trip across the ditch to come to Melbourne City. Very interesting start to the second half. Oh, well, end to the second half in a way um, with Emin Ekic scoring a goal and then nine minutes later being sent off um, in proceedings. Um, Melbourne City do get the leg up on Wellington um, as Wellington continue to slide down that table a little bit with a string of results going against um, them, you could definitely say. Um, definitely a needed result for City after... Did they drop games last last week? They dropped points. So, they lost the Wanderers. Yeah, so a good result for City to turn things around. Um, do you see Wellington getting back to that form that they were in at the start of the season, Cody? Or is this kind of, do we think things have mellowed out and this is kind of the Wellington we were expecting to see this year? I mean, I don't want to say it's the Wellington we were expecting because I was enjoying what they were putting up, really. Yeah. They were actually playing some good football. Um, in terms of where they were at the start of the season, they were looking like they were going to push to be in a title race at the start of the season. I don't think Wednesday's going to get them back to that stage, but I still don't think they're outside making finals or pushing for that top six race. Once the ship kind of stays a little bit, we've said it plenty of times as well, this is still a fairly young squad. It just happens with young squads. They are fairly inconsistent. Once things kind of steady for them a little bit, I wouldn't be surprised they pick up towards the end of the season. I think Wellington historically in their time in the A-League women's have managed to finish seasons off quite well. So I wouldn't be surprised come five games towards the end of the season. We start to see them go on a real run of form as they try to go into the end of the season on a high, but we're not going to see them into the top two or top one or anything like that. I don't think they're going to go back to where they were at that stage. And to be fair, early stage of the season, maybe wasn't a true reflection of how the competition was as a whole, but... They're yeah. definitely where they are now. I don't think it's a reflection of how well they've done this season, though. 
100%. They're sitting in ninth at the moment after a slip. Um, Rihanna Policina takes the other goal for Melbourne City to put them up. Um, your reaction to the other Sky Blue team in the A-League, uh, Michelle, I know. Um, I, I think you're a fan of the colour, not so much teams, right? Is that <laughs> joking? Uh, that, that was a funny, guys. And They're not made... even supposed to be Sky Blue. <laughs> They're City Blue. They stole our colours. There's a whole thing. Oh, <laughs> I almost fished a hot take out of her within five minutes, folks. Look at me go. Uh, <laughs> um, all in all, City sitting pretty at the top of the table, seven points clear of a coming along Sydney, let's say that. Um, but, yeah, very interesting. Could be an interesting game next week without um, one of their goal scorers up front. Could be a good watch. Um, anything to add on Melbourne, Wellington, Michelle? Um. Look, I, I think, yeah, without Amina Ekic next week is going to be, um, I, I don't think it'll be a, a huge problem for them. It'll be a problem for them. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I think not the prettiest game, not the best football that they've played this season. Um and I think that they're pretty lucky to come away with the win and with the win in the end. Hundred percent. Luck on our side. We get two returning Matildas, um, one to the field and one to the A League, um, notching up two goals this week for Melbourne victory. Chids gets on the score sheet. Uh, Emily Galenic notches the winner um, in ninety plus three. Gilnick. After Ra- Gilnick sorry. Thank you. I think I said it wrong last week too. Why didn't you guys pick me up on this last week? Gilnick. Sorry, Emily. Um, my bad. Cody's picked me up on every other pronunciation in this show this entire time we've been here. And you've let me go I on and say that how many times. I don't remember it last week when I was here, but you said it then and I had to double check like, wait, who was that again? <laughs> guys, that's a stitch. I'm not saying because I forgot um, who she is. I'm saying because the pronunciation was that off. I was like, wait, what? Oh, sorry, guys. And anyone that's <laughs> new to the show... I'm very new uh, at to football, uh, not football, women's football. Um, so I'm kind of like the, 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 the. What what can you say? The um, the bandwagon fan at the moment. Um, so I'm still learning a lot of things. Pronunciations being one of them. Um, and these guys are supposed to hold my hand, and they dropped the ball last week. So that's that's me throwing you guys back under the bus. Emily, well, sorry, say it one more time. Is it Gilnick? Gilnick, okay. It's in the brain. Um, Michelle Heyman's on a goal-scoring run for Canberra. Too bad it's not getting any points for them. Um, but I believe she's scored four in the last two, um, which it's, it's just baffling me that they're scoring so many goals and not getting anything from it. Um, so, yeah, uh, end result. Melbourne victory go away to Canberra and pick up three points with a three-two win. Um, Michelle, what what can Canberra do? Is it a whole new defensive system, or is it just ride the bus until the end of the season and look at it again later? I mean, clearly there's a a lot. Like obviously. Obviously, Michelle Heyman is scoring, right? That's all well and good. Vesna Milovojevic, scoring. But, I mean, obviously she didn't score in this game, but she's been scoring in the past. Um, maybe, look, a lot of things probably. Um, 
yeah, defensively, maybe they're not looking great. Maybe Chloe Lincoln is just not up to standard as a goalkeeper, even though personally I do think that she's a very good goalkeeper. She made a fair few good saves against Sydney, did she not? Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, is, is there something there in in the training, in the setup with how, how they do it? I don't know. I, I mean, again, personally, I think Chloe Lincoln is a fantastic goalkeeper. I think she's got a lot of good potential. Um she is very young, uh, and this Canberra team is just not clicking. Um, w- I wonder maybe if they just lost a lot of their sort of like midfield, um, you know, their midfield power. Um, Laura Hughes, a big name for that Canberra side, obviously going to City, you know, and and she was very, very important to Canberra, uh, especially last season. Um, so, yeah, I mean... If you look at the stats, 13 shots, 7 on target, 41%, 41% possession, 312 passes. Their passing accuracy was only at 72%. So, you know, it, it, it can come down to just a lot of basic stuff that it's just not clicking for them. Um, but, yeah, much like sort of a Matilda setup, you can't just pass the ball to Michelle Heyman or, you know, in the Matilda setup, the Sam Kerr. You know, you can't just pass it to you, to one player and, and hope for the best. Um, that's what I've kind of seen with Sydney as well, like with Courtney Vine. Um, so, yeah, like it, maybe a restructure of, of the setup uh, of their formation or, or how they're playing. But um, sometimes it also just comes down to luck. Uh, I think, you know, a last-minute winner – yeah. Is sometimes just pure pure luck, and and we saw that in another game, which you know I might have different Broke my heart <laughs> different reply to Cody. If you were the coach and you'd scored the second most goals this season and found your team sitting in second last place in the ladder, how would you feel right now? Um, it feels like everything going forward is clicking, but as soon as they try to go backwards, it just crumbles what's what's your takes on this obviously we'll touch on melbourne in a second um i just i feel like there's something here that we've just got to kind of dig at for a second honestly just answer the first initial question i would be pulling my hair out with rage because i would just be genuinely confused i think look i've spent a good two three minutes i think on each podcast that we each show that we've done for the last few weeks trying to work out what the hell's going on with canberra and why they are as low as they are. They've got the second best attack in the competition. Literally, the two top goal scorers in the league this season are both playing at Canberra. Between them two, they have 18 goals this season. That's more than what some clubs have gotten with an entire squad. I genuinely don't know the answer at this point. I know that look, they've got the second worst defensive record in the competition as well, at least looking at goals per game that they've conceded. I, I genuinely am lost for words in some, into some regard. We've spoken different things going wrong defensively at the start of the season. For the most part, most of it's fixed up. You used to talk about Chloe Lincoln. The last couple of weeks, I feel like she's actually played quite good. There's a stage of this season where she was probably dipping in form a little bit. Not to say she's not a good goalkeeper. I do rate her highly. But there was a stage where she dipped out of form. I felt like she's come back into form. Right now, I think it's luck and maybe to a certain extent a bit of confidence as well. When you're dropping points for so long, it probably takes more than just a win to uh, pull you out of that cycle. You probably need a couple in a row. 
I was thinking maybe the Adelaide game would do something positive for them. Then again, yeah. I feel like Adelaide are an easy three points to some teams at the moment, although maybe not for West United. We'll get into that a little bit later. But I think they're just genuinely going to need to kind of grind their way out of it a little bit. It's not necessarily a thing of a structural change or a personnel change, at least from my point of view. You've done all you can. I think right now you just need a little, a few games to kind of go their way or a few games where even if you don't play pretty, you just kind of grind out a result and find a way to win. Otherwise, yep. I, I genuinely don't know. There's a reason why Negos Popovich has paid the big bucks because it's his job to do it, and I can sit here and talk all I want. The reason why I didn't get paid the biggest bucks is because I'm sitting in a situation like this going, I don't know what the fuck to do. Oh, I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> if I was in this position, I'd be pulling my hair out, like I said. Um, all right, let's flip to the other side of the ball. Rachel Lowe scores her seventh chids. I think that's her first goal since returning to victory. Um, Gelnick scores her first from returning from a um, long period away. It's um looks like that kind of Melbourne on paper that we were looking at and we were like, damn, this looks like a a pretty solid team has finally found their groove in a way. They've definitely flipped the script on how their season started. Everything looks like it's starting to flow a little bit, obviously still having to fight to get results across the board, but hopefully there's going to be a moment where everything kind of just clicks. And at that point, I think it's going to be pretty scary as well. Cody, what do you think of victory at the moment? You talk about how they started the season, even the way they've gone the last few weeks hasn't been great. They haven't really looked overly good results-wise, but I think we said it last week, the game against Perth was obviously an improvement to what there was against Western United. And much like I keep saying, Canberra probably need to grind out a result and just find a way to win a match. It's kind of what Melbourne Victory did on the weekend, isn't it? And suddenly you're going from potentially being in 10th spot to now being in the top six. It's not yeah. where Canberra want to be. Not Canberra. We've, talked, we've spoken enough about them. It's not where Victory want to be, but it's an improvement to where they possibly could be. They'll want. They'll be happy. They'll be looking at it going, okay, we're in the six. We've got a match at home next week, even if it is against a side like Sydney FC, who you never know may be susceptible to picking up points against at the moment, but it's where they want to be. They've got a platform to really push on. And if they can beat Sydney FC, suddenly their season looks a hell of a lot better, doesn't it? So they're doing what they need to do. And the reality is you've got a side that has the experience and has the quality to be able to pull yourself out of a situation like that. Melbourne, uh, Canberra have a good squad on paper, but not to the extent that Victory do. So yeah. I'm not surprised Victory have been able to pull themselves out of the situation. The task of them now is really just making sure you're consistent moving forward. Yeah, 100%. Uh, let's jump across to the other side of the country where Brisbane made the long trip over, um, had their shooting boots on, out of 26, put eight on goal, um, couldn't find the back of the net with any, come home with a point um, against a Perth team that at least recently has been up and down in their form, obviously started pretty hot, gone draw, draw, loss, win, loss the last five weeks. Um, I would say this is a a good point for Brisbane, considering kind of where they've been going as well, um, to travel to the other side of the country. It's kind of like going to New Zealand. It's a rough road trip. Time zone changes left, right, and center. So anytime you go across the ditch or to the other side of the country, a point or more is as good as a win. Um, and I think this is a pretty good result for Brisbane. Uh, nil all, obviously keep a clean sheet as well. Um, because I think they've let a fair few goals in the last couple of weeks as well, maybe. Um, but 
Michelle, you're nodding away there like a little bobblehead. Um, your thoughts on Brisbane, Perth, fire me away. I think Brisbane are very unlucky to not get the win considering yep. they had the ball in the back of the net and the referee disallowed it. And this is, oh, God. I mean, we can get into this for the next game as well for Western United versus Adelaide. But at, the ball was in the back of the net. It probably should have stood as a goal. I think, you know, they were, they were unlucky uh, in the sense that, you know, no one touched the goalie. I don't think there was any foul there at all, no foul play, nothing. And they they disallowed the goal because, yeah, someone might have touched the goalkeeper, which I don't know. I, I think, you know, in this sport, it's becoming more and more apparent that, you know, if a goalkeeper, and this is what happened in the Mariners, the, the Sydney Mariners game as well. Like, <coughs> sorry, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm getting all choked up about this. Um, but it, it feels like you can't, like, the second you even, you know, touch a goalkeeper or anything and they, they go to ground and if they start having a cry, then no goal, no goal allowed. Like, see you later, sorry. Um, instant foul. Even even if, you know, it, by all the rules and everything, they've done nothing to actually impede on the goalkeeper or, or whatever like they they're calling it fouls um and i i think i saw someone tweet out being like you know we can't keep um like allowing the goalkeepers to or, or giving um disallowing goals uh for goalkeepers who um are having a cry on the field right and like and and that sounds really harsh and, and 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 maybe really mean, but like I think there's a difference between a goalkeeper getting injured and like and then a foul, you know, like sometimes you can get injured without there being a foul. Um and I I think Brisbane had had the goal. I think they had the goal and it probably should have stood. Um and obviously, you know. Morgan Aquino did a great job, saved the penalty as well. Um, so, yeah, she she was on fire. She had a great game. I think Perth also played quite well, um, and they probably also could have maybe grabbed a point from it. Um, you know, they probably could have gotten a goal. It probably could have been a one-all draw. Um, but I do think Brisbane are probably feeling a bit hard done by. Um, so, yes. Do you think it's a bit of a fact of we know VAR isn't here to look at it, so we'll see what we can milk in a way? Do you reckon there's a little bit of playing to it at this point? where there's... It's so hard to say because in each of these three games and, and, and even the Sydney-Newcastle game, right? Um, I noticed there was a couple of fouls that were blown for that that – Mackenzie Hawksby was called offside, which, yeah. you know, and, and personally I didn't see it. So um, I'm not sure, but like, you know, people were saying that they would have liked to have that checked. Um, you know, you could argue S- Sydney's goal against West United a couple of weeks ago, that that could have been um, pulled back for offside. Um, the Western Sydney go ahead goal of the, the opening goal um, that, you know, most people would probably argue that that was offside 
And then obviously more notably the, the Olympico that was actually said by the FA that the goal should have stood, you know, and no one, look, at the end of the day, no one likes VAR because at the moment it is being run by people who don't, who, yeah. who aren't making the correct decisions or it's all, you know, very minute things. And, and this is where things are becoming a problem. But like if, if VAR is used correctly, it can be good. It can be a good thing. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to remember that the people who are behind VAR are humans as well. And they're going, um, they're just reading things based off the laws of the game, which, you know, I understand. But um, as much as I don't like it, but I understand. But I think, and, and someone else mentioned this in another chat, um, that maybe one of the things that's going on is, um, I think Tao mentioned this on Dubzone, um, but basically like with the longest season means you have to get more referees in because, you know, you can't keep using the same five. Um, so you need more referees, um, which means less, like, chance of them being at the top of their game potentially because it's already quite, you know, few and far between, between like, four, four referees in the league. So, um, yeah, I, I guess it, it it's an issue with the referees that we have just in general. Um, and I guess, you know, the training that they get, you know, are, are they being trained properly? Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think VAR is the solution, but, um, yeah. And, and it won't be because it's too expensive for our league to, to get yeah. anyway. So yeah, 100%. I mean, if the WSL can't afford it, <laughs> there's no chance that we're affording it. Yeah. Um, all right, Cody. Um, you're the biggest advocate of VAR that I know. Um, but what are your opinions on this game? <laughs> I'm just I, was, I wasn't sure if you were being because the way you said it sounded really, really serious. I know, I know. I and had I was like, going then surely he's joking. And then I saw the look on your face, and I was like, I, I, I genuinely, I think it is a great bit of technology. I think nah, I on, it. I genuinely hate you it. hate it because of the, how the application has been done, right? Yes. Like, but I don't see the application we, changing, we hate, so I might as well just yeah, spin it. exactly. But we like we hate VAR because of the dumb shit that's happened with it. Uh, the thing like, is, I don't know if I've overly seen somewhere where it's being used correctly. Maybe in some games of the World Cup where you had referees from God knows where in the my Middle East with it going is, for, it. and I gen- maybe maybe to a certain extent there are people out there that know how to use it. But you know what, in Australia, I don't think we do. And mm. you said the um, A-League women's can't afford it. The WSL, WSL can't afford it. Let's be real. The A-League men's probably can't afford it either, and they're forking out money they don't have in that regard. So instead of spending $1.5 a season on VAR, why don't we spend $1.5 a season on helping the dub professionalize? I reckon that would be a much better use for that kind of money. Or you want to talk about the issue with referees, invest $1.5 into actually getting improving the standard of female referees in this country. because. I'll speak to what you were trying to say, Michelle, where, and I'll kind of obviously piggybacks on Teo's point. Obviously, the league's expanded. It's not just about having to muster up six games, six referees for a week, but you're not going to have the same referees on every week. There's going to be some form of rotation, particularly when you do have to take into account midweek games. You probably need a pool of 10 to 12 high-quality referees to be able to function in an early women's season. Michelle, you play park soccer, I'm pretty sure. At the very least, you would have used to. 
how often were you refereed by a female referee? Mm, I think we had one last season. Obviously, it's going to be slightly different for myself because I'm a man. I play in a man's competition. I know, at least in my district, they are typically less reluctant to put on female referees for male games or especially male all-age games. But the fact that at a a grassroots level, you're struggling to get female referees through the door, where are these high-quality referees going to come from? You're not going to be able to pull them out of one, can't pull them out of their arse. It's not going to happen. They've got to start somewhere. And the fact that at the lowest level of football in this country, we struggle to get people in to do that role, how you're supposed to do it at an A-League women's level. So it's an issue that goes far, far deeper than what you're seeing on a surface level. It's the same, you could make the same argument for coaches. I see a fair few um, women's coaches at an NPL level. I don't think I've ever once seen in a male or female competition a women's coach at a grassroots level. That's not necessarily a good sign. That's a whole other story, but I'll go into that tangent another day. I'll save that up my sleeve. Josh, remind me, of course. But you want to talk about the standard of female referees in this country. It starts at the bottom. You've got to get them in the bottom. You've got to get them experienced. And unfortunately, when you do play men's football at a grassroots level, there's, I'm not going to say it's something that comes from my, myself or my teams. I tend to try and at least be, at the very least, respectful to referees that I have. But I can guarantee you there's, an inher- there's inherent unconscious sexism that comes with it. I still remember, even you look at the Socceroos opener against India, they had a female referee on that day, I remember. And mind you, I'm not saying that she was a great referee. I actually thought she was quite bad. But then again, I very rarely see AFC referees that are in any way, shape or Which form Which is good. interesting, just to back that referee, because she actually did a really good job at the Women's World Cup. Like I just I just look, I don't remember what she did at the Women's mm. World Cup. I just remember her in that Socceroos game and she was shocking. Yeah. But I still remember there was one bad decision she made very early in the game. And was, a few people throw their arms up where I am. Next thing you know, they cut to a shot of the referee. People say it's a woman and people start groaning and, and you hear that, oh, of course. That is an issue in itself as well. Yeah. You judge the moment you see the fact that there's a referee and she's female, it's like, oh, okay, that's why she's no good. How are you supposed to get female referees in when that's the reaction when you have one? Yeah, whether it's good or not, take the ref or take the gender out of it. Either she's a good ref or, she, or she's a bad ref. There's no gender about it. There's do no we, refs out there that are horrible. Do you think that in this league? Because I remember I, I, I was talking to someone else about this ages ago, ages ago, last year I think, and um, they were basically saying that there was a league that they played in um, where it wasn't. Um, like based on gender, like the refereeing, because obviously, you know, in here and in the WSL and probably I would imagine the NWSL in the US, um, it's about giving, you know, women a chance to to referee, um, which is all well and good. Like there's no issue with that. But like in a league that they played in, um, I think it was in Italy, that it was just like whoever is there, like whoever's the best referee to to referee. So it was just the the top referees. Should we start? you know, just implementing that again, not really saying that the men's referees in Australia are that good either. Let's be real. Like some of them could probably go back and and do some more training. Um, But yeah, I I guess in order to kind of, you know, I don't think it's ever been this bad. Like, I don't remember. I don't think last season it was ever this bad with like, the amount of calls that just weren't being called or, you know, red cards given for no reason and and, and whatnot. And I, I think 
yeah, it's if I've got friends who are referees who are complaining about the referees, then I feel like there's a problem there. Yeah. I, uh, how long do you have on this topic for me to give an answer? Because I've, there's two ways that I can look at this. The first one is I was actually going to ask you the exact same thing. Do you get to a point where you put a pool of referees together, men and women, and you spread them across the professional games, professional fixtures over a weekend? The reason why I would be in for that is because you've got such a drastic increase. You've had a drastic increase in terms of early women's matches over the last three to four years. Clearly, the quality of referees hasn't been able to keep up. In that regard, yeah, you probably lean on a couple of male referees. You bring them into the female game just so you have a certain level of quality. The reality is you've got referees like Casey Rybell, Kate, uh, Kate Jackowitz, I really hope I got that name correct, who are fantastic referees in their own right. They also get pulled into men's games every now and then. That depletes the quality that you have in the women's. So do you ha- then have that transfer of quality across from the men's games so you have a certain standard of refereeing? The only issue that you have with that is once you do that, do does that cut off the pathway for female referees to be able to move forward and progress and have an end goal to where they can get to? I think if you can put a pool of, of referees together and show that there is an opportunity for females to get into it, it's not an issue. Obviously, the goal would be, even if it's not 50-50, some form of equal split. What you don't want to have is the situation that we have now is where in the female game, you're keeping it solely towards female referees and you're letting the quality dip because of it. You'd, you've got to do it in a way where, one, the pathway doesn't kind of cut off and, two, in a way where it's kind of leads into the first point that I was trying to say, but that opportunity is still provided for female referees to kind of learn, grow, and turn into a quality referee because the reality is unless you're given that opportunity, you're not going to be able to show that you can ref at that level. So maybe there does need to be a more defined pathway to go, okay, once you hit this standard, then you're going to be given A-league opportunities. I'm not against having male referees go into the female game. Like I'm not against having female referees go into the male game. At the end of the day, you want referees that are of a certain quality, no matter what professional fixture they have. It's a professional fixture. At the end of the day, you need a professional level referee. But something like that takes investment and it takes opportunity as well. So if you can do it in a way that doesn't cut off opportunity, for female referees, hundred percent, I reckon you go with it. Um, yes, I, I I do agree. Last point on this, I guess, but um, I think the our professional league, the the A League women's, should not be like a development for anyone. So it shouldn't be a development. I mean, the only person it should be a development for is the players themselves, right? Yeah. But it's not a development for the the referees or for the coaches um i someone else mentioned that a, a few years ago about like the coaches should be you know developing in the a league women's but i disagree i think development is the npl stage you know that is what should be our semi pro league you know our our sort of development our academies um like like it is in the men's um but the a league women's is supposed to be our professional league and of professional standard meaning that our referees and our coaches should be at a professional standard. And obviously, like, it's not as simple as that because it's still part-time and a lot of these refs and coaches and whatnot have, you know, another job. But, um, yeah, I would hope that the FA, because they're, they're the ones who are in charge of the referees, I would hope that they're, you know, sort of taking a look at this 
last few weeks and and realizing or or maybe getting together and and thinking okay how can we now um improve upon the league and and clearly people are getting quite frustrated and i would imagine clubs may or may not be putting in um complaints i think i think it'd be interesting as well the only issue that i see with for an example like so you get to that standard of taking the whistle, right? You're you're an A-League referee. Your name goes into the pool to go men's or women's. I think the issue is the adjustment of people relying on linesmen and their own vision to then having someone in their ear. Like you've got to train them in the those that haven't had the um, experience having VAR in their ear and everything like that as well. Like there's like a lot of that. And then those that have spent the last couple of years with VAR in their ear to come back to the women's game without it and then have to rely. I think like, unfortunately it's not an easy fix with the system that we built, <laughs> which, which is the hard thing. And um, this conversation could go on forever, but we will continue on with the episode. I promise guys. But these are the types of things that I think we just need to have the discussion around because that's what this show's about. Um, any comments on, Brisbane Perth is a game outside of the refereeing, Cody. Yeah, one thing I was going to say, you mentioned it was a solid effort for um, Brisbane Royal defensively. It was their first clean sheet, unless I've missed something drastic, since they beat Sydney FC in round two. Sorry to bring that up, Michelle. On Perth's side, <laughs> a, a Perth team at home really should be building the foundations of their season. And the way they started, it looked like they were going to be a really, really hard team to beat at Macedonia Park. They haven't won there since they beat Adelaide on the 13th of November, I believe. Once again, unless I've missed something very drastic. So Perth, I think we've noticed they started to kind of slip down the ladder a little bit. Home form is probably a big reason for that. They lost to Wanderers there recently as well, picked up a couple of draws at home. Oh, a couple other draws at home, sorry. So there's that dip in form for them is obviously not a good sign leading forward. For Brisbane... A clean sheet is probably something that, that they really, truly needed just to give the back line a little bit more confidence because there is good players yeah. there. You've got a good keeper there. You've got decent quality players back there too. Um, Holly McQueen, who, mind you, fantastic site, um, block to kind of save a point for yeah. in a way. And I think, just think about it, if the red card was actually upheld during the week, we wouldn't actually be – we would have been <laughs> robbed of that. So just kind of tie it back to that conversation. But – that's what I mean. It's a side that probably needed a bit of confidence in that area. So to go to Perth, as much as maybe it's not the fortress as it was at the start of the season to pick up a point, still a really good sign for Brisbane, I think. Yeah, 100%. Uh, let's bring it back across uh, to another team that just isn't performing. I, I don't think we were expecting what we were expecting out of Canberra from Adelaide, but we're sitting 13 games in. Eight points, two wins, two draws, nine losses. Um, they've conceded the most goals by far in the league as well. Thirty through the net already. Um, Canberra aren't too far off with twenty-eight, but you expect that from that bottom kind of echelon. Um, but I think the issue on Adelaide's side of the ball is they've just stopped scoring. Um, they had a couple of big fire games where they were putting the ball in the back of the net, and then it's either all in or nothing. And I think that's that's my issue that I'm seeing with Adelaide. Um, Western United have their import Kiwa Hayata 
score their winner. Um, I think my pronunciation was pretty good there. Let's go, team. We're back on the ball. Um, all in all, um, United picking up points that they definitely needed. Um with less possession too. So Adelaide kind of dominated this game. 500 passes to 347. 550 to 374. Oh, my God. Um, did either of you get a chance to watch this game? Because I did not. Michelle. This is the um, – so I think it was – was it Dylan Holmes? She scored an Olympico. Yeah. yeah. And then the referees pulled it back for a foul question mark. Um, That's what I mean. Like with all the decisions then, we've seen in early women's, like there was no one within like two, no, three meters of Hillary Bill. This is the, <laughs> the dumbest call. It went so Joey Lynch wrote a post uh, on Twitter, and he basically must have got in contact with the FA or someone at the FA, and basically they said um, the referee made an error and the goal should have stood, but it's too late. Like that's not going to change anything now. So it should have been a draw. One all. I'm not sure when that goal was taken. I don't know if it was the opening goal or not, but yeah, basically. Yeah, it's like 10 minutes in, pretty sure the opening goal. Yeah. And so basically, uh, Adelaide just absolutely got shafted and um, they should have had that goal stood. Um, great goal, too. Great finish. What a goal. Everyone, lo- who doesn't love an Olympico? <laughs> um, so yeah, unlucky. <laughs> when the cards aren't falling your way, they're not falling your way. Cody, anything to add on West United Adelaide? I'll look at it from Adelaide perspective for a sec because you look at their side on paper. It's a good side. You've got remnants of that 2021-22 squad. Dylan Holmes, Chelsea Dorber, Nano Sasaki, Emily Condon. Obviously, look, there's been issues with trying to get them all on the field at once, but you look at maybe besides, even the last few games, maybe besides the Jets and City game, They've looked all right. Canberra, they went ahead and Michelle Heyman kind of just went beast mode and went, fuck you, I'm dragging my team single-handedly back into this game. Western, they went ahead and for some God knows reason that it got disallowed. And even, I think something that kind of gets overlooked because of what's happened with Adelaide since, but they were the last team to beat the Wanderers. Wanderers have been on a pretty cool run since then, but Adelaide went to Wanderers Football Park and beat them there. Not an easy thing to do this season. So there's inherent quality in this Adelaide side. There's inherent quality in every team in the competition this season. Literally how the ladder has kind of portrayed itself has almost just been which teams had the least amount of luck. Oh. Adelaide probably haven't done themselves any favours in certain games where they've been walloped, to say the least. But overall, they have shown at different stages this season that they've got quality in their side. It's the same with Canberra. They probably just need a couple of results to kind of be able to push themselves forward. Unfortunately, the way the season's gone, they probably look like the least likely to do that, unfortunately. But I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say it's a bad team or there's this inherently going wrong in the club or this is happening behind the scenes because a lot of it, well, maybe not a lot of it, but there is a big part of it that has kind of come down to luck. They are a young team. I think there's a bit of a change. There is maybe a slight change behind the scenes, but I think it's a change they're trying to make for the better in terms, in terms of how they operate. Maybe leaning on some characteristics we've seen implemented in the men's, trying to see how they go with the women's. It is probably a bit of a teething process that will see them have a dip in form or a dip in quality for a season or two. So maybe from that point of view, a result like this shouldn't be surprising. 
or a season like this shouldn't be surprising, I should say. But I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and say it's a bad team or things are really going to turn into shit. I think there is an inherent little bit of luck there. 100%. Um, let's go to the most important game of the week, um, Sydney-Newcastle uh, for both of us. Um, honestly, I thought we had you in the first half. Um, it, it, Serena Bolden is on fire. Um, not an Aussie, unfortunately, but she's scoring goals like there's no tomorrow. I think she scored something ridiculous like, is she up to seven or something in eight? Seven and eight games. And two seven and eight? Yeah. Insane. Um, in a team that definitely needed a striker. And I called it at the start of the season. I should work for the Jets. Hello? Hire me. What was the first thing I said? Serena Bolton doesn't have a team. Jets need a striker. What did they do? Signed her. I know you're listening to me. Um, but all came undone in the second half. Um, 90 plus six to win at Michelle. How was the vibe inside the stadium? Um, obviously, you feel pretty good with three points, but was there a little element of worry there at some point, at any point for you? Um, always. Um, <laughs> I... So we had like a little cove going, you know, a little active and no one wants to sing because, you know, you're losing or you're drawing. And I was like, yeah, look, I know it sucks. We don't have a striker. We lost last week. We're only, you know, we've only got a draw or whatever. No, I think, yeah, yeah, at this point we, we were, it was one all. And I was like, but we can't control what's going down on the field. We can only control up here in the in the active. And then so I got everyone to sing. And then. Like a beautiful moment, Zara Kruger came in and just what a beautiful finish at 17 years old, 96 minutes into the game, seals it for Sydney FC and the whistle blew and I have never felt such utter relief in my life. I was like, okay, mind you, we hadn't won at Leichhardt. Like we have not won at Leichhardt this season. I think we've got like four or five draws and and I think a loss now. So it's not been good, okay? Leichhardt has not been good to us, not like Cogra was. And I hate to say it because I hate Cogra, but Cogra, at least we won games in there. So hopefully this is like, you know, the turn of the millennium when we start winning some games now. Um, but incredible. Maddie Caspers at just 16, you know, um, jumped over everyone, got yeah. ahead on it. And Zara Kruger at 17. Um, so the young girls doing doing what's good and and what's right. Um, Courtney Vine, girl, just a just a little bit over, just a little bit over. The amount of times that she was millimeters from the goal, and same with the hawk. You know, Mackenzie Hawksby as well was she so had one close. That was- she Both had one that them. came off the crossbar or something like oh. that. There was one that was like <laughs> there was one where it was just slowly going towards the goal. And then one of the Jets players came in and, you know, swept it up. And I was like, God, just a little bit more power on that one. And that would have gone in. But, <laughs> yeah, I think Courtney hit the post three times. Um, oh, Lord, it was an absolute nightmare. I mean, the, cr- the cross that led to um, Maddie Casper's goal that she, like, tried to first time hit that, like, I don't know how that didn't go in and then bounce back out where she got the cross that Maddie Casper scored off. Like that, oh, you know, not that I'm a Sydney fan now, but, you know, it's hard being in Newcastle, guys. I'll, I mean, I'll 
yeah, but hey. I, I was I was thinking of like singing Champions of Australia. You'll never <laughs> sing that, just because it'd be a bit funny, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't because then I forgot. But um, oh, it, it um, would have been funny. <laughs> but I think one good thing the Jets can look at is post GV Newcastle isn't looking terrible. Um, draw last week, unlucky result this week. Um, doesn't look like they're going through immediate teething issues. Cody, you look like you're going to completely disagree with me. Um, please fight with me. Fist I actually up. don't want to fight. Hey, yeah. Like, look, post-GV era, you take a game to probably the highest quality team in the competition. Arguably, I'll say, because Melbourne City do look very, very good. I don't know if you could ask for much more, really, especially away from home. You've still got Serena Bolden up top. Melina Ayres looks like she's fit again. I'd, I'd take it for all for what it's worth. It's still better than what I was expecting from Newcastle this season. I thought they'd yeah. be coming last. Look, so, I had I had a worry. When, when Emily left, I was like, this is either going to keep going or it's going to crash and burn. And luckily... The wheels are still puffing along. Um, oh, actually, I spoke to Isabel Nino after the Unite Round game. Actually, I mentioned that too. Like, what was there anything that maybe Van Egmont kind of imparted on the squad that's helped you kind of keep a run of form going even without her physical presence? And she said, you know, you have when you have someone, not even necessarily in terms of leadership, because there are people like Cass Davis there, but someone that has that kind of star power. You turn around, you shut up, you listen to them, and everything they'll. Van Egmont said to him while she was there for those four weeks, the squad took her on as on board as much as they could. So, you know, having a player like that come in, it's not just about having a good player for four weeks, but it's also about having someone that can kind of come in, work almost a little bit closer with the playing group because they spend a lot more time with them than what the coach would. Yeah. You're in the dressing room with them, you're talking to them. And especially think about the young players that have in that squad that, are going to lap something like that up, lap that, lap that experience up and be better for it. So yeah. it's fantastic for Newcastle. It's probably what they needed. They probably just needed a little bit of judging up to kind of t- be able to take that step forward as a collective and as individual players. Mm. And on top of that, you've added Bolden into it halfway through the season as well. Of course, they're going to be a good side. I've got, I'm not going to sit here and say that, oh, no, nah, Newcastle's lost their coach. They're definitely going to go to the shitter now. I don't think Van Egmont is an overly great coach that you'd be despairing at his loss. Mm. He's someone that understands the club very well. Yes, you're going to lose a bit of experience in that regard, but you're not losing this awesome tactical must. Put it this way, it's not, it's not the equivalent of if Sydney FC lost Ante Juric tomorrow. That would probably have a much stronger effect than what GVE's departure does. So, no, I'm actually going to agree with you, Josh. I actually don't think that this is... I actually think that a performance that they showed on Sunday is actually probably the best sign you could ask for. 100%. Unless, I just wanna... of, of course, it would have helped if they saw the game out and won three points. But <laughs> aside from that, they, they probably did all they could. Why don't you just rub it in? Before we do the last game, I just want to go back to um, episode two of this podcast where we went through our predictions of the season. H- here was our ladder. Sydney, Western United, Victory, City, Canberra, Perth, Central Coast, Wanderers, Adelaide, Newcastle, Wellington. Just I didn't let... realize we had Wanderers that high. I think they're the only team that we're nearly... Oh, actually, they're even higher than we predicted them to be. Do we have... I, I don't we... Think... Are you saying I we don't... had them in ninth? No, no. 
Yeah, we had them in ninth. I thought we had them lower. <laughs> no, 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 because you I wanted individually to. Had I them would lower. put them lower if, if it was me. <laughs> I had them in 11th. I know where they're sitting now. I had them in 11th. How do we end up putting them in 9th? <laughs> They're currently sitting in fourth, Cody. So they're they're showing us all what for. Yeah, uh, I, I'm pretty sure not one of those teams we had in the right spot. Yeah, literally nobody. Um, but hey, that's the fun of the game. Um, last game of the week. Um, speaking of the Mariners, um, hosted the Wanderers. Look at that. That was that was a nice little segue, folks. Look at us go. Um, I thought that was the reason you were doing it to segue. No, into that game. It, I honestly <laughs> didn't even think about that until just then. That's um, why I brought the Wanderers up. <laughs> look, I'm not that smart, Cody. Come on, chill out. Um, another own goal. That's like four in two weeks. Let's go. Um, should have been a one-all draw. Jasmine Wardlow uh, gets the the credits on the own goal there. It just uh, Central Coast seem a little unlucky this year too, but just not to the extent that Adelaide are. Um, and I think the big the big news out of this game is Taron King um, out for the rest of the season doing an ACL as well. Um, so, yeah, it, this just, I don't know. I'm not a Central Coast fan. I, I can't like the Central Coast inherently um, <laughs> just by living here. It's kind of like Michelle with the Wanderers. Um, but you hate to see someone of Taron's stature and talent go down with an injury like this. Cody, um, your thoughts on the game? Um, and yeah, take it away. Well, first that was a really all, bad I throw. I think you'd hate to see anyone go down with an ACL injury, no matter how good they are, really. It, it sucks. And I think we've had, we've had this conversation before. We've had, even since then, so many ACL injuries. It's quite frustrating. So I want to go down that rubber hole again. I think I've got to limit myself to one an episode. Um, I think you said before, Michelle, there was probably a bit of dubious nature in terms of Wanderers' opener, whether it was offside or not. It was close. Wanderers probably got a bit of the rub of the green. It comes back to what I said when it comes to Adelaide and Canberra. Sometimes this competition is genuinely so tight. The way the ladder's coming out is who's getting the rub of the green, who's getting a bit of luck. Wanderers got the luck in this case. Mariners didn't. So be it. And even the um, second goal that Mariners conceded, I think I saw someone having a go at Wardlow for being in the position that she was, and she just she was kind of trying to bite back a little bit. There wasn't much more she could have done. She's going to come across, try to stop the cross, take an unlucky deflection. I'll give credit to Casey Dumont as well. Her reaction was bloody quick. A lot of other keepers probably wouldn't have even had registered that it was coming to them before they went down for it. She, if she was a little bit luckier, maybe she could have stopped it as well. So... Look, I'm not going to be harsh on the Mariners for this game. I don't think there was much more they could have done. They scored a brilliant goal to get themselves back in it. They went forward quite well. But Wanderers, when you're in that kind of form, as much as you can say maybe luck's going your way, but you create your own luck as well. They're a team playing with a lot of confidence. As much as the first goal, you can question whether it was offside or not. It was still a good piece of play to get themselves in that position. Great ball by Alexia Postolakis, who, mind you, been a brilliant centre mid this season. And Casper's the other one. Um, I think it was Maddie scored or was like, was like two hours earlier as well, if you're talking just general time of the day. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the Casper's parents are feeding their daughters, but they're doing bloody brilliantly. Holly probably been arguably Wanda's best player this season. I'm saying that when someone in their side scored seven goals this season. But Holly Casper's been absolutely fantastic. 
especially just genuinely looking at a base level of ability. She's genuinely a good footballer, not surprised with the way she's playing this season. It's actually taken her so long to break out and be a real star A-League women's player. So full credit to her for having the season that she is. But look, there's a lot to like with what the Wanderers are doing this season. I think as much as Michelle, you probably don't want to hear that line. They're they're playing good football. They've got they've unearthed some real gems. You can even point to Robbie Hooker maybe changing a few place positions and roles in the side that have actually proven to be quite useful. Postalakis moving further forward. Amy Harrison being pushed into the back line. Even Kusha Rue, she's someone that I've always seen as either an out-and-out striker or a really advanced winger, if that's what you can call it, because a winger really should be advanced. Probably having to pick up a bit more defensive responsibility this season as well in her role. Doing really, really well. Even Danica Maddox being able to be pushed further forward. Robbie Hooker's that made some changes this side that I think have been quite good. So, you know what? Wanderers, like I said, a lot to like about them this season. As much as maybe there was an element to luck in certain regards, you make your own luck. So, they've done well in my books. Michelle, wrap up Australia for us. Um, I'll say this. I'll end Australia with this. We need better investment in our referees um, across the board, men and women. We need better investment in the referees um, and we need to be protecting our players more. There we go. Let's fly. For the first time in nearly a month, the WSL is back. Um, Leicester, after a hot start to the year, uh, have switched places with Villa after a loss this week. Uh, Courtney Nevin plays, I don't have that many minutes in me, uh, but she got subbed off, picked up a yellow card in her involvements. Um, Rage Daly scored early. Nothing could come back uh, for Leicester. Uh, In the arsenal, um, Catley and Cooney Cross on the bench. Cooney Cross with no minutes. Ford scores. Ford scores uh, and plays a full 90 as Arsenal get up 2-1 over Everton. Uh, Claire Wheeler also plays a full 90 um, in that game. It's so good to have the WSL back. It's been a while since we've spoken WSL. It's good to see it. Um, (laughs) um, No Charlie Rule for Brighton. Um, has anybody heard anything about Charlie in the Brighton setup at the moment? No, no, no. Shaking your head. We will chase that up and we'll have news for you uh, next week if it continues. Um, but Brighton do pick up three goals and beat Bristol um, to keep them at the bottom of the ladder. Um, a much needed three points for Brighton, actually, to be fair, to get themselves into a position where they're not hovering right on death's door either. Um, no AK, um, but Mary Fowler comes off the bench for City in a, another Bunny Shaw masterclass um, as Liverpool down, uh, as Liverpool down, as Manchester City down uh, Liverpool. I think that's Bunny Shaw's third, second or third hat trick this year. She is absolutely flying at the front of this City setup. Um, big news. We had a double. League debut this week in the same game. Kat Gorey started for her first league minutes for West Ham and uh, Charlie Grant came off the bench for Tottenham. 
Uh, Mackenzie Arnold is back in goal as well. So looks like she's passed that injury that kept her out for a couple of weeks there. So that time away has kind of looked like it's helped that um, West Ham set up in a goal thriller. Um, unfortunately, they're putting them in a 4-3 loss to Tottenham. Very interesting. Good to be talking Tottenham again too. Um, that wraps up all things in uh, the UK. Uh, in good old France, Paris FC got postponed against Le Havre. Um, PSG dominated Bordeaux overnight. 8-1, and then this morning, Leon down Montpellier, 2-1, um, and Real Madrid were not in action this week in Liga F. Um, did you guys have any highlights from the WSL that you saw over the weekend? Is there anything that I've missed in highlighting? Cody looks like he's going to say something exciting. I don't know if it's exciting. Um, Micah, I think, was lucky to be on the field for as long as what she was in the game against Man City. Looks like she was very, very close to being um, sent off. Mackenzie Arnold's return, look, she hasn't had the best season. I wouldn't say she had the best game, but I'll say this about that West Ham Tottenham game. She definitely wasn't the worst goalkeeper on the field. <laughs> I don't know what Tottenham's keeper was doing. I can't even remember her name for the life of me, but what, some of the goals that West Ham scored, <laughs> she should have done a lot better. So, look, on paper, the things really aren't looking good for Mackenzie Arnold, but you can still see she is inherently a better goalkeeper than other starters in WSL. So... Unfortunately, with West Ham, when you've got a poor defensive record and you look to improve yourself going forward, what do you expect is going to happen? On the bright side, there is another team conceding more goals than them at this point, and that's all that matters. Um, they sit tight on points with Bristol, and the only thing... They play each other this week, I'm pretty sure, as yeah, well. Yeah, so that's going to be a very interesting game to watch, because that'll be... Relegation six-pointer, we love it. Literally. Um Perfect. Um, any highlights from your side of things for the WSL or uh, France or anything, Michelle? Negative. Oh, All right. I lost my um, my my mouth. Um, <laughs> Sam Kerr was at the uh, the West Ham game. Oh, good on us! Look at uh, him. Just so you know. you know, when you're not playing, you can do whatever you want, right? I will <laughs> say this. Um, I know it's not Australian news, but Kirsty Mewis is uh, Christy Mewis. How do you say her name? I don't know. The American, um, her assist, great ball. That free kick, r- scenes. It was actually really good. I was like, you know what? Maybe you, maybe you can play football. Wouldn't know because she didn't play at all in the World Cup. Um, <laughs> but that's more. Yeah, she took a penalty. She got subbed yeah, off eventually. Probably <laughs> the best penalty from the team as well. <laughs> Seriously, I, I actually feel bad for her. Like, I'm, I'm glad that she's going to be playing in a league. Um, where I guess she's going to get you know, minutes. Yeah, she'll get minutes. Um, so, I mean, she she got minutes at Gotham as well. So Yeah, true. Um, but a, a league that I would watch. So at least I'll get to see her more. Her sister um, did just have to retire as well due to knee injuries as well. Yeah, so that's really sad, actually. Yeah. There, there was um, a very sad sort of post that um, Sam on like on one of the podcasts um, that she t- spoke about. And I was yeah. just like, oh, this is really sad. Like I don't, yeah. I, I'm not really, you know, kept up to date with her career much, but pretty sad. But anyways, um, we're not here to talk about Americans, but I did want to say that that was a really good, um, good assist. She, Christy Mewis kind of is like um, half Australian, you know, or like yeah. um, Australian by proxy. I mean, when she's in that West Ham team, I guess we can yeah, talk Australian about her, right? Australian like, marriage possibly as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She won't be able so, to represent us, but she, yeah, you know. I mean, we could find her. We'll way, give her right? a flag. Like, 
tokenozzi. Um, and I believe uh, we lucked, uh, we lost our luck on potentially getting Jonathan Heraldez as Australia's future manager because I believe he's signed for an NWSL team as well. So terrible. You know, not everything goes our way, but it's okay. One day, one day, one day. Uh, before we wrap up on the week, is there any highlights or things that we missed um, from outside the pitch or anything like that that we have not mentioned this week? Michelle, this is your time to start your rant if you do want. Cody no, actually we, took the rant off you this week. I think we already um, did the rant, the referee rant. Yeah, okay. I think that was a good referee. one. Cody with a hot take this week. Let's go. I think that's Cody's first real I'm full of them, mate. Take. Don't worry. Yeah, okay, cool. Just keep, keep it coming. Michelle can't be the only angry one on this podcast, okay? I don't see that. Like, I don't like to be an angry sh- person. I like to... Be a beacon yeah, of positivity. It gets me in trouble sometimes at front page football, but you're allowed to I'll... be positive and be angry. One, Cody, I don't pay you. Two, here you don't represent anyone, so that's okay. You can have look, your opinion, and I'll, I'll put paid, it out there for To be fair, you. look, I've I do a fair <laughs> bit of work in football, not exactly for the money. So I, oh look, I still no matter where I am, I'm representing who I work with. I represent front page football. I represent Talking Tilly, so I'll always do it with somewhat dignity, which is why I don't usually like to be, I always say ranty, but I don't like to be overly negative and just constantly look forward. Think of it this way. On the game, put it this way. I'm not going to be like certain people, ex-footballers in the media recently who are just looking to make a bank for their buck and probably yeah. promote themselves more than what they do actually care about the game. But I'm not above calling things out when they're not right. And even the referee thing, like I'm not going to, trash the people that are trying to do a good job. I'm not going to point out anyone individually. I'll just say that there's definitely ways the system could be better. Even that was a very dignified defense of your own dignity then. Sometimes uh, sometimes you got to be a bit mean to get the point across. Exactly. Michelle, how long have you known me for? Mm, not that long. When have I ever been mean? Well, yeah. <laughs> Mean to me. No, it did, you didn't really hold. It didn't hold up my argument because you said you hadn't moved that long. It's been no. a good year at least. Like it's yeah. time to get to know someone. <laughs> Has Michelle made the effort? No. <laughs> Please. <laughs> All right, we are up to match day fourteen of twenty-two. We are on the downhill run in the A League. Uh, Melbourne City host Western United. I'm doing this the right way around this week, folks, because I pointed out my own stupidity in doing it the other way last week. Melbourne Victory hosts Sydney. Western, Western City. How about the Wanderers host Brisbane? Adelaide get a home game against Perth. Wellington make Canberra fly. And, uh, oh, we got a, oh, 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 hello, hello, hello. F3 Derby in Newcastle this week between uh, the Central Coast coming up the road to the Jets. Um, in the UK, uh, Brighton hosts Chelsea. Uh, we have no Aussies playing in United Villa. Everton hosts Leicester. Tottenham hosts City. Uh, Bristol, West Ham, that'll be our game that we keep our eye on as they, uh, as the WSL passes its halfway mark too. Um, Liverpool, Arsenal uh, to round out the week. In the land of pastries and baguettes, uh, PSG go away to Fleury. Uh, Lyon host Reem and Paris FC um, host Lee. Interesting all around the ground. Any last passing words before we sign off for yet another week, folks? I will be in Melbourne for Melbourne away. Meet and greets with Michelle. I love my fans. I, I will be... 
at Marconi for a nice feed post match. I will I will be at uh number two sports ground uh for anyone that wants to uh howdy out as the Jets dominate Central Coast. Um perfect. That is it for another week, folks. We have had our rant. We feel a lot lighter on the shoulders. And as always, we will be back every Thursday with a brand new episode of the Talking Tillies podcast. We are on the rundown to uh, Olympic qualifiers. We have a month to go. So keep an eye out on some of your favorite strikers because, you know, we've got to replace Sam Kerr somewhere. Uh, And, uh, yeah, we will be back next week with a brand new episode of the Talking Tillies podcast. Goodbye.